John chapter 15 this morning. John 15, let's start in verse number 12. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no man than this than to lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. Greater love hath no man than this that a man lay down his life for his friends. Three verses this morning. I want to share with you three main thoughts and then we'll be done. Three different verses, three main thoughts. Here's thought number one. We're commanded to love. Verse number 12. This is my commandment that you love one another. Commanded to love. I'm intrigued by something. I'm intrigued by the fact, fact that two weeks in a row, the Holy Spirit has led us to that exact thought. We are commanded to love. Last Lord's Day, we talked about marriage. Remember that? And we talked about the fact that we are commanded it, within marriage to love our spouse. Uh, what, are the, what is the likelihood that the Holy Spirit would lead us to the same exact thought two weeks in a row, unless He perhaps wants us to hear it and wants us to really think about it? Uh, husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Ephesians 5.25, that's one of the verses we looked at last week that tells us that husbands are commanded to love their wives. Titus chapter 2, as for you, speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine, that the older men be sober, reverent, temperate, sound in faith, in love, in patience. The older women, likewise, that they be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they admonish the young women to love their husbands to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands. The word of God may not be blasphemed. And so both of those tell us that husbands were commanded to love their wives and wives are commanded to love their husbands. And we asked the question last week, and we have to ask it when we think, see things like that, is how is that possible? How do you command somebody to love? We talked about that last week. How do you command a husband to love his wife? How do you command a wife to love her husband? How can God command you to feel something? I mean, good night. What if she turns out to be a rotten person? What if she's unlovable? What if he's an idiot? How are you supposed to love somebody? How can God command us to love? And, of course, we talked about this last week, and so I won't beat it too much this morning, but what we came to understand is that in the Bible, this love that we are commanded is not just a feeling, it's, it's something more than that. There, there's more to it. Biblical love is, is a matter of the heart, yes, but it's also, a matter, it's also a matter of the mind, and it's certainly a matter of the will. Matter of fact, I think we came away, at least I came away from last week's study, pretty convinced that it's primarily a matter of the will. I know that when I counsel young people about marriage, that's one of the things that I hammer home is that, uh, you know, if you're only going to stick together as long as you feel good about it, going to be a problem. It's a matter of the will. You have to determine that you're going to do that. We can choose to love because the Bible commands us to love. God doesn't command us to do things we can't do. And so we're commanded. And so we come here to this, this passage here on Red Heart Sunday, and we see it again. But now it's not talking about marriages, is it? It's talking about us. It's talking about you and me. This is by commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. We're to love each other. Look at around the room at the people sitting around you. Look at them. Do it. Look at them. Look around. Look at them people. You are supposed to love them. You're supposed to love me. I'm supposed to love you. And uh, I, I, I have to admit, that's not always an easy thing to do. Uh, it's not easy for you to love me because I'm not always very lovable. And you be quiet. And, 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 and I'm, some, I, I'm sure that you're not always very lovable either. 
But, but notice here, Jesus did not say. Here's what he did not say. He did not say, here's my suggestion. Try and love each other. Do you see that? And that's not what he said. He did not say, it would be a good idea if you worked on this loving each other thing. He didn't say that. He didn't say, let me share with you the secret of success in life or the secret to a happy life. Love each other. He didn't say that. He said, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. He said, I am ordering you to do this. Those of you who are Star Trek fans, you have to picture in your mind John Luke Picard. Ordering. James Tiberius Kirk. I forgot his name for a minute there. Ordering. This is an order. This is a commandment from our Lord and Savior. And there's nothing unfair. There's nothing unreasonable about it. Because love is a matter of the will. And we can do this. It's, it's a matter of the heart, yes, but it's also a matter of the will. I can choose to love you. And you can choose to love me. And sometimes we will find that hard to do. Sometimes we will not be very lovable. But we can choose to do it. And we need to make that choice. Why? Well, because this is my commandment, that you love one another. So the first thought that we have here today from these three verses is that we are commanded to love. Here's the second one. It's in verse number 13. And that is that Jesus loved and loves ultimately. Now, he gave us, in the last part of verse 12, an illustration of how much we are to love each other. Did you notice we didn't really talk about it when we said that? We looked at that verse a minute ago, but... He did say it. He said, this is my commandment that you love one another. How much? As I have loved you. He told us, really, what the extent of it is. As I have loved you. Now, mankind certainly was not lovable when Christ chose to come and die for them. You and I had nothing to offer Christ that enticed him to step down from heaven and redeem our soul from hell. It wasn't because we were lovable. Quite the contrary, actually. Romans chapter 5 says, when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Paul told the Ephesians, God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. For by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. I mean, did you think about that little phrase there? Not of yourselves. In other words, it was, it was through absolutely no merit in you that Christ loved you and that Christ saved you. Actually, it was in spite of a total lack of merit on your part and on my part. You and I are unlovable. He loved us anyway. You and I are imperfect. Actually, if you're like me, beyond imperfect. So marred beyond all semblance of usefulness. But he chose to love us anyway. Loves me. I marvel at that. He loves you. Isn't the love of Jesus something wonderful? Isn't that what the little chorus said? Isn't the love of Jesus something wonderful? Wonderful? Isn't the love of Jesus something wonderful? Wonderful it is to me. There's a beautiful picture of the love of Jesus Christ for you and me in the book of Ezekiel, believe it or not. The words spoken there were spoken about Israel primarily, but they nonetheless picture, I think, 
how Jesus Christ chooses to love us. Let me just read a, a few verses from it. Ezekiel 16, starting in verse number 1. Again, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, cause Jerusalem to know her abominations. And say, Thus says the Lord God to Jerusalem, Your birth and your nativity are from the land of Canaan. Your father was an Amorite and your mother a Hittite. As for your nativity, on the day you were born, your navel cord was not cut, nor were you washed in water to cleanse you. You were not rubbed with salt nor wrapped in swaddling clothes. No, I pitied you to do any of these things for you, to have compassion on you, but you were thrown out into the open field when you yourself were loathed on the day you were born. And when I passed by you and saw you struggling in your own blood, I said to you in your blood, live. Yes, I said to you in your blood, Live. What a picture that is to me of what Jesus Christ did for us. Unwanted, unloved, cast out to die in a field, basically. But our Lord and Savior saw and loved. So this is my commandment that you love one another how much as I have loved you. But Jesus not only described himself there as the illustration of choosing to love each other, but he also explained the great lengths he was going to go to demonstrate that love. And that's verse 13, greater love. Hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Earlier in his ministry, Jesus had told his disciples, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. The Apostle John picked up on that. He wrote about it here in his gospel, but he also wrote about it in uh, in his uh, first letter in the book of First John. He said, Beloved, Let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Remember what the songwriter said, the old hymn? We don't sing it enough. The love of God is greater far than tongue or pen can ever tell. It goes beyond the highest star. It reaches to the lowest hell. The guilty pair bowed down with care. God gave his son to win. His erring child he reconciled and pardoned from his sin. When hoary time shall pass away and earthly thrones and kingdoms fall, when men who hear refuse to pray, On rocks and hills and mountains call. God's love so sure shall still endure, all measureless and strong. Redeeming grace to Adam's race, the saints and angels' song. Could we with ink the ocean fill? Were the skies of parchment made? Were every stalk on earth a quill and every man a scribe by trade? To write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry. Nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky sky. So as we look out this morning on this little sea of red that we have here, as your eyes trace the faces of your brothers and sisters in Christ here this morning, as you cogitate on what Jesus said here, the question I have for you is this, are you getting it? Are you getting it? We are to love each other and we are to do it to the extent that Jesus loved us. This is my commandment. That you love one another. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. So those are the first two thoughts. We're commanded to love. 
Jesus loved and loves ultimately. Let's finish up with one last thought. And that's in verse number 14. Verse number 14, you are my friends if you do whatever I command you. Here's the thought. His love is offered to all, but it's effective only for some. It's offered to all, but effective only for some. Notice verse number 14, you are my friends. You are my friends. Can you imagine being in that room? Can you imagine sitting there and listening to this? These words fall from the mouth of Jesus. Imagine the scene, if you would. Imagine as Jesus' eyes went across, disciple after disciple, filled with love, moving from face to face in that little room. Those eyes would have rested on Peter. As I have loved you, Peter, he would have said. And I can imagine Peter's heart, heart thinking, you know, how can that be? Uh, me? I can't keep my mouth shut. Me? I'm always leaping before I look. I'm, uh, I'm brash. I'm loud. I'm out of control. How, how, Lord, could you love me? Those eyes would have looked past Peter. They would have set it on James and John, beloved sons of Zebedee, the Boanerges, the sons of thunder. As I have loved you, James. As I have loved you, John. Us? They might have thought. I mean, we've been, we've been terribly proud. Glory hounds. Wanting and striving for the very best seat. We wanted to sit right beside you in your kingdom, Lord. How can you love us? John must have been really affected by this because you'll notice that when John wrote in his gospel and, and in, his, in his epistles, he never referred to himself by name. He always referred to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. Jesus' eyes must have rested on Thomas, as I have loved you, Thomas. What? Thomas might have thought. Me? I mean, he was always the one who was wavering. He was always doubting. His greatest demonstration of that hadn't occurred yet, but nonetheless, we'd already seen it in him. He was never quite sure. He was always doubting. How could you love me when I so often doubt your words and waver in my faith? He must have. His eyes must have looked lovingly at Andrew, who was always bringing people to Jesus. How reassuring it must have been to have Jesus say, as I have loved you, Andrew. Matthew must have marveled to hear him say, as I have loved you. Matthew had been saved from such a hated life, such a disgraced life. Nobody loved Matthew. Nobody. Until Jesus. And then there's the others, Philip and Bartholomew, James, the son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon, the Canaanite. They're all the ones we never hear about. They're all the ones who just kind of were quiet and in the background, the ones who always seemed overshadowed by the big names. As I have loved you, Jesus said to them. He loved them just as much. And then there was Judas. Judas, who Matthew said also betrayed him. As I have loved you, Judas. Even him, Jesus loved Judas. Oh, but wait. I imagine that if you're students of the Bible, you're thinking to yourself, wait, Judas wasn't there. And he wasn't there. Clear back in chapter 13, Judas had already made his choice. He'd already left. 
to betray Jesus Christ. And Jesus, Jesus had, had prophesied it. He had said he would be betrayed. John had asked him who it was that was going to do this. And, and back in John chapter 13, we read that Jesus answered, It is he to whom I shall give a piece of bread when I have dipped it. And having dipped the bread, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon. And after the piece of bread, Satan entered him. And then Jesus said to him, What you do, do quickly. Having received the piece of bread, he then went out immediately. And it was night. So Jesus' eyes may have rested on that empty seat where Judas had been and thought to himself, even you, Judas, I have loved you. You see, here's the final thought that I see from this passage of Scripture. Jesus' love was offered to all, but it's only effective for some. You are my friends, he said, if you do whatever I command you. Offered to all, effective only to some. So there's the three verses from this, or the three thoughts from these three verses. We are commanded to love God, or we are commanded to love, rather. Jesus loved and loves ultimately, and Jesus' love is offered to all, but effective only to some. So three, three verses, three thoughts, and then two questions. Two questions have to arise from this. And you know what those questions are going to be. Here's the first one. He said, you are my friends. Are you? Are you his friend? He offers his love to you, but you have to do what he commands you to do. We could spend an awful lot of time on that, unpacking that phrase, but, but, but we don't have time for that this morning. Let's just cut to the chase. Let's sum up what the Bible says his commands are. What is it that he expects you to do? He wants you to repent of your sin and believe in him. He offers you uh, love, but that offer is only effective to those who believe. And those who received. That's, that's what the Bible says. It says it all over the place. John chapter 3, verse 16. God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. John three thirty six. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. He who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. Acts 16.31, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ that you will be saved, you and your household. John would one day write another letter. We have three letters from John in our Bible. John wrote the Gospel of John. He wrote the three epistles of John. He wrote the revelation of Jesus Christ. One day he would write First John, and therein he reached out and touched on what Jesus said right here. Here's what he said there. He said, this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. Are you his friend? Are you his friend? Have you done what he has commanded you to do, which is to repent of your sin and to believe on him? If Jesus were physically here today and his eyes were going across this room and resting on your face, would he say to you, you are my friend? You need to get this. If you get nothing else of this day, all the music, all the fun, all the fellowship, if you get nothing else, that is His offer to you today. That relationship with Him. That salvation, that complete and total forgiveness, that love that went so far as the cross for you. And all you need to do is accept it and believe it. So that's the first question. Are you His friend? And here's the second. You know what this one is too, don't you? This one's for those who have believed. This is for the Christians who are reading this passage. Those of you who know you're on your way to heaven. Here's a question for you from this. How are you doing with that commandment? Well, let's pray. But before we do that, with every head bowed and every eye closed, let me ask those questions again. Are you his friend? 
Have you believed and received Jesus Christ as your Savior? If you have even the slightest doubt about that, I want to pray for you. There are some in this room here this morning who don't know for sure. And there is nothing more important in the world. Nothing else we're doing here today matters except that. This is eternal. This is life or death. And I'm praying that you'll know that you are a child of God. Nothing's more important. And then the other question, for those of you who are Christians, how are you doing with that commandment? You are his friend. You know you're saved. You know you're on your way to heaven. How are you doing with loving your brothers and sisters in Christ? I know sometimes it's hard. Maybe, maybe there are some who challenge your ability to love. Maybe there are some who struggle to love as you should. And maybe today you need to pray about that and ask the Lord to help you to love. He commanded you to do it. There are no exceptions to doing it. And so maybe some today need to pray about that. Father God, we thank you so much for your word. I pray that as we sing, as we close with a special number, Lord, today, a different invitation. Some folks might be hesitant to step out as we, as we close this way. But I pray, Lord, if there are those who need to pray, those who want to pray, that they'll feel comfortable doing so, and they'll step out and they'll come to the front and pray. And uh, I pray as we wrap up our service, all of us will think about these two things. Lord, if there's any of us here, and, and there were some who did not raise their hand and, and say they knew they were saved, I pray if there's any here who just aren't sure about that, I pray you'd break down whatever barriers are holding them back. Help them to see what Jesus did for them. Help them to see uh, his love written in red that is so, uh, so glorious and a gift, all theirs if they would take it. And so, Lord, help, I pray. If some need to step out, if some need to just bow right where they are and say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner, I know it, and I want to be saved. Uh, let nobody leave this place lost, I pray. And I pray for Christians. Pray for those who raised their hands. I pray for those who didn't, who struggle with this matter of loving each other. I thank you so much. We have such a loving and friendly church. But I know also sometimes it's hard. And so help us. Help those who are honest enough to raise their hands. Help us all to obey this commandment. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this. The man lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatsoever I have commanded you. Help us with these things as we close our service. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.